You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. James, he is the king of hugs. And what a story. What a beautiful story to um, really hear him share it here for all of you. Uh, he's been a, a part of the West Side since I've been here really for so many years. And I appreciate his vulnerability right now. We're, we're doing a series called Built on Trust. And, you know, him sharing that story takes tremendous trust in God and then trust in the congregation. And I appreciate that. Uh, thank you, James. Thank you so much for sharing, uh, for being real. And we know that you are a shoulder we can, we can cry on if we need. So as a congregation, we determined that we needed to build trust to create the standard of a welcome and belonging that we desire as a church. You can see our mantra is uh, belong, believe, become. It says on the sign right there. And unfortunately, we, we don't trust often in our culture. It's easy to not trust uh, our experiences, our stereotypes, our trauma. Uh, sometimes we go into uh, experiences with one another or relationships with one another, and we simply have a, our bank account of trust is low. And in Stephen Covey's book about uh, the speed of trust, he talks about having this trust account. Uh, each person has a trust account with another person. And it's easy to go in with the account being negative just because of our experiences. We, we know that in our culture, uh, there's a lot of trauma, a lot of difficulty. We've learned that over the past year in particular. Sometimes we can come into relationships with maybe uh, a little naive, too much trust, and, and we can get hurt. And so there's a balance there. But I want to say this. We believe that through the message of the cross, trust with people can be built. We know that if trust has been destroyed, it can be rebuilt. And we're going through a series of activities and, and actions and teaching on them. These are things Jesus taught that build trust. And when you have trust... You have really unlimited amounts of potential to do great things as a congregation, as a family, and as a community. And I wish we had more trust in our country. I wish there was more trust in our culture. But we need to have it here in the family of God. So welcome today as we study this built-on trust concept. And today, I have one point for everybody, and it's a practical on how you build trust. And that practical is simply this. Demonstrate respect. Last week, the practical was talk straight, or two weeks ago. We had Marvin and Sharice share last week. Uh, but two weeks ago, it was talk straight. And then what happened is after last week's lesson, on, or two weeks ago, the lesson on how to bu uh, build trust, talking straight, I actually had two sisters in our congregation talk straight to me. I was grateful. One of them that very day after the sermon came up and said, you know, Steve, you were walking by hugging everybody and, you know, you distracted the one guy I was talking to. And so he stopped talking to me. I just felt so disrespected. And I was like, I could do nothing except put my head down and go, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't I didn't notice her. I didn't I was just hugging everybody. I hugged this other guy and I didn't hug her. I didn't give attention or respect. And she felt it. What I loved is she followed the message that day, which was talk straight. And I said, I am sorry. Do you forgive me? She said, I forgive you. And she gave me a big hug. So I'm like, awesome. Okay. Trust was rebuilt. The bank account, the trust accounts got built back up. Well, later that week, another sister came up to me 
similar kind of talk. This one was something I had done a year earlier to disrespect her. And I understood. She shared what had happened, some things I had shared, the way it came out, the way it made her feel. And, you know, she realized I shouldn't have harbored it that long. But I realized, wow, I, I have to be very sensitive to the way I treat people, the way I communicate things. And people deserve respect on every level. And so I as well said, I'm really sorry. Do you forgive me? She said, yes, I do. And, of course, the trust accounts went back up. Amen. We need that. We need trust in the family of God. We need trust in our community. You need trust in your relationships. And if you don't have it, you can build it. Today's practical is demonstrate respect. We can have that. And as a church, I really want us to realize the the belong, believe, become concept that we have laid out. Really, it, it ties directly into this idea of trust. If you feel like you belong, trust will be there. And we want to create that for you. Students, welcome to the West Side. We hope you feel like you belong. We want you to understand we care for you. We're going to hold to the teachings of Jesus. But we're going to start with big arms that say welcome to our family. And I'll put it out there. All the transfer students and the incoming freshmen, Carrie and I want to welcome you to our house for a meal to be determined when. I'll let her tell you that. You'll let us. We'll have you over, though, not, not too long from now. But we want everyone to feel that sense of trust, which comes from relationship, which comes from understanding, really, God's intention for all of us. Jesus is the ultimate builder of trust. And so I want us to understand that, sadly, our culture is not very trustworthy. We live in a very disrespectful culture. Uh, there's craziness out there. I was reading an article about um, 1990, or 2019. Uh, the story in McDonald's where a, a mother had gone into the, the McDonald's playland with her toddler and two teens were in there and the mother wanted the toddler to be able to play without the teens. It was kind of dangerous because they're a little big going down the slide and, they, and she asked, hey, can you go out? Well, the teens were mad. How dare you ask us to leave the McDonald's playland and ended up getting into a fight and they were throwing food inside the McDonald's. The mother left shaken and there was things broken. It was in the news. I'm like, wow. Our, our culture has gotten to the point where even teens, sometimes they're, they're missing. Sometimes they're missing reality of respect. It's this, this disrespectful culture. I don't know if you read about it, but um, a girl recently won a Supreme Court case. She was on um, social media, and she'd gotten kicked off the cheerleading team for – you know, what happened is she went on her Insta, on her Snapchat, I think it was, and was this vulgar, laden tirade against the cheer team and against the school. And so I think rightly the Supreme Court said, well, you can't discipline her. You know, you can't, can't kick her off the cheer team because of something she did privately outside the school grounds. That's, that's a First Amendment issue. But then I wondered, what, what about her family? What about her mom and dad? What kind of people are we raising that – that those kind of things just happen so often in our culture, and it's normal. It's like, how dare them snap back at her, even though she's degrading all the things in her life that we're trying to bring her hope. We live in a disrespectful culture. There's a quote from Lauren Stern that says, Respect for ourselves guides our morals. Respect for others guides our manners. 
We need to have the self-respect in our culture. And, and as God's people, he's calling us to develop a respectful culture. And we need to demonstrate respect for ourselves with the way we handle ourselves and respect for others. And Jesus goes into this deeply. And our community needs to be a community of great respect for each other. Ultimately, respect has to do with treating every human as a valuable, intrinsically worthwhile individual. That we treat people well because they're people. And people were made by God. They're valuable. It means that you care. You demonstrate care and concern. And as followers of Jesus, of course, we're going to do that. Hopefully that's our calling. I want us to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 or just look at the screen if you want because I have them all up there. Matthew 7 verse 12 from the Sermon on the Mount is what's known as the golden rule. You're all familiar with the golden rule. In fact, almost every major religion has a form of this golden rule. And so we see, I have it in two different versions. In the NIV, the verse is, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And then the contemporary English version says it this way, Treat others as you want them to treat you. This is what the law and the prophets are all about. Do we treat others the way we want to be treated? I was thinking about this recently. Um, how do, how, okay, in, in each situation that you interact with somebody, do you think about how would you want to be treated? One of the big things that came to my mind is I thought, what if I was homeless? How would I want to be treated? And that's a major issue here on the West Side. We're unaware of it. I, I, we cannot turn a blind eye to that. Not good for our souls or our hearts if we turn a blind eye to it. How would I want to be treated? Well, I would want people to care. Uh, or maybe I wouldn't. I think, you know, my wife and I and our family, we could share about, we've had members of our family that, that actually lived here in Venice, uh, one of her uncles. She, he liked being homeless. Some people certainly want to be treated with kindness, but he didn't, he didn't want to get off the street, actually. But we have to consider people. What, what do that? How would I want to treat them? Guys begging at the side of the road. I know a lot of us don't like to give money. We think they might use it. I, you know, I give, I give a buck. I give something almost every time. If I can, I just give. Why not? That's how I would want to be treated. Now, ultimately, we know there's bigger issues going on there, and this is beyond the context of today's lesson. But I do think about how do we treat one another? How do we treat individuals? I love our congregation. I know a couple of months ago we did a huge homeless project. Uh, I think about uh, Asia and Billy coordinating our outreach there, uh, going out. And we have little resource cards that not only do we give them a dollar, we give them a little resource card of places they could go. Uh, I love that our congregation is filled with people thinking about ways to do that. I think about our, our young professionals ministry and our singles ministry. How I love our ministry here and how they think of others. We just had three of our singles you're going to get to hear from later today. They just traveled to Lebanon. One of the churches that we support in our mission field, and they served in the, the Hope Singles Corps, serving at a, a school for orphans and helping this country that was currently devastated by um, uh, so many different issues. Certainly COVID like the rest of the world, but also their economic system completely uh, collapsed. I got to sit and have a breakfast with our church leaders' kids, um, uh, Andrew and Abigail this past week, uh, the West Side staff did, and they shared of how the country was taking money out of people's bank accounts, just taking it away. 
uh, the, the government was just taking the money directly out of their account and transferring it to offshore accounts. Their economy totally collapsed. But what happened in the church through everything, and you just heard about the explosion, third largest explosion in human history outside of nuclear explosions, happened by just pure negligence in that country. And they, you know, they lived, they said everyone in the whole country was devastated. They shook every house. But you know, their church has been more fruitful than we've ever seen. I know they're going to share a little about their story. The singles are a little later. They've had 55 baptisms in the past two years in a Middle Eastern country. Unbelievable. Like a church of 70 went to well over 100. It's incredible. But our, our, our singles went there. Why? Because they cared. They cared about people. And I, I commend them. You're going to get to hear a little bit more about that. But what about us? Do we like to think of what's best for us, or do we think about what's, what would I want done for me? The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, he speaks similarly in chapter 2, verse 3. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of of others are we mindful of how people feel for me i have to pray i have to say god help me to be sensitized like men oftentimes i'm one track mind if i walk by the congregation i don't hug you i it's not because i don't love you i actually like hugging everybody but i usually get one track mind i'm thinking of one thing i got to get done or i one thing i got to solve and I, I i i ask god to open my mind so i can see and be sensitive. You know, the women, that multitasking ability that God gave you comes in handy in this, right? You guys are real good at just noticing everything. So, but we need to be sensitive to each other, right? Considering the interests of other little things do matter. Little things matter massively. Two years ago when I got out of the hospital after having this, you know, trauma from my back and that's a whole nother story how it all healed but i was at home recovering i was on plenty of painkillers so i wasn't totally in my right mind i only know i'd eaten hospital food quite too much for the past you know week i hadn't eaten that much actually but when i got home i'll never forget a brother uh our our he's a tremendous sushi chef but paul nagakura brought me his homemade salmon now here's the thing about the salmon he had gone to the market to get the salmon that had been caught like earlier that day so that the salmon that he made was so fresh. And to this day, that salmon meal was the best I've ever had. So I was recovering from my back. Thank you, Paul. And he knows I'll never forget that. Little things matter. In fact, I would say there really are no little things. The note, the phone call, the little consideration, the hug. The valuing of people's gifts and talents, they matter. Little things matter. Weddings and funerals, very, very important. I learned long ago, I still remember the people that came to Carrie's dad's funeral, you know, back in 2004. My, my mom's funeral in 2009. And you notice that. You see that. It matters to you. You know, you think of things like that. The little things do matter massively in building trust and so as a congregation amen I, I know we have example after example let's continue to be that way and demonstrate respect it builds trust in our relationships but i want to move on a little bit here before we take communion i want to look at matthew chapter 7 and in this verse jesus says 
Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use will be measured to you. What a powerful, challenging statement. We live in a very judgmental society, don't we? College students, I mean, it's challenging. You, you, it's easy to feel judged by the culture that we're in. And there's, there's a right and a wrong way to live. Jesus gives us this example. But he's calling us to look at ourselves. He's calling us to demonstrate respect. Young and old need to respect each other. Amen? I know the younger generation, a lot of them, they're going through a a faith deconstruction and rebuild and evaluating, why do I do what I do? And we all need to ask that question often. Why do I do what I do? It needs to be grounded in fundamental truth and in the grace and message of God. But there needs to be certainly a respect in our culture Across generational respect. Certainly, my 11-year-old and I, it's clear I'm dad, he's 11, you know, he's supposed to obey. But recently, we, we, we had a conflict on a couple issues, and he, he came back to me after because he, well, he said, Dad, can, can I tell you why I did what I did? I'm like, okay, tell me. He came back and said, I really appreciated that you let me share why I did what I did. I felt respected. You know, parents, we got to respect our kids, but certainly teens, college students, young, young need to respect the older, right? If Leviticus, there's a passage that says, rise in the presence of the aged, respect your elders. It's been a part of culture since the beginning of time. It stabilizes society. It is right. Respects a two-way street. Certainly, let us be a congregation of people, a community of people. That respect one another in this regard. Amen? Men respecting women. Women respecting men. Every one of us asking ourselves, do I respect and understand? One of the big things we've had to learn this past year is empathy, right? The, the racial awakening since George Floyd's killing, a racial awakening opened up where we had to respect the trauma and pain in so many of our brothers and sisters, so many people in our society that many of us hadn't seen. And for me, as a white man in America who's totally been privileged, I had to go, do I empathize with the pain that so many live with? With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do we get tired of being empathetic towards each other? You know, it's been a year since... You know, the, sort of the racial awakening and, and, and difficulties that occurred. But not that much has changed in our culture and society. And, the, you know, there's, we're awakened. We're talking about it. More stuff's going on. But, but are you giving up on empathy? With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All of us are going to need empathy. And I'm committed as, as, a, as a man of God that, that I will be feel, filled with a, a passion and a respect for people in their trauma. And I will care. And in in God's family, we're going to uproot injustice where we see it. We're going to fight it. And we're going to care for individuals. And we're going to listen like James says. You can, if nobody else will listen, you can cry on my shoulder. We need to be that kind of people. And I believe, Westside, you are that kind of people. I urge you to do it more 
and more. I do want to share the little things and some of the examples I've seen around here. So many uh, incredible examples of people giving up their life um, and being willing to uh, sacrifice their time. You know, it takes sacrifice to change lives. One of the brothers in our congregation, I've known him for, for many, many years. When he graduated from college, uh, he could have gotten quite a lot of jobs. A lot of you graduate, make, make all, some of you make almost six figures like right out of college these days. It's quite remarkable how much money you guys can make. And I know quite a few in the tech world are doing that. It's awesome. Do it. You know, give to God and sacrifice, but make it happen. Well, this brother, when he graduated, I asked him to be the college intern in the Inland Empire. And I said, I'm going to pay you 1000 a month, 12 grand that year. And he came from a fairly well-to-do family, so um, that, you know, that was not going to be highly respected in his family, but he did it. He did it for a whole year. He served the campus ministry on $1,000 a month. I think his dad paid his gas bill all year and almost all his other bills that he probably couldn't have paid with that 1000 But it made a difference. It helped build the campus ministry up tremendously in the Lynn Empire. Of course, eventually he moved on, had a career, makes a lot more money than that now. That's our brother, Nick Salvato. Thank you, Nick, for doing that sacrificing, caring, with the measure you use, it's measured to you. He measured, he says, I'm going to sacrifice for God. You know, and I believe God's blessed his life. Certainly, he's married to Gus, and he is a, that's a treasure beyond anything he thought he would get. So I'm happy for you, Nick and Gus, but thank you for sacrificing. I want to close out in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is talking about love. And we'll close out here before we have a discussion and take communion. It says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus right here calls us to love those who don't love us, right? He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And I think this plays into, of course, the cross. Jesus came to earth to die for us who were sinning and against him. He died for those who actually killed him. That's loving those who are your enemies. But I love how he says, if you greet your own people, what are you doing special? If you only greet the people you already know, you already feel comfortable with, that you're already connected to, what, what are you doing to make a difference? We should be really kind and respectful to everyone in here. I want to call us to be kind and respectful and thoughtful and to greet people we don't even know. How else are we going to spread the gospel if we don't get to know people we don't already know? God is calling all of us in this demonstrate respect point to respect people enough to go, hey, they need the good news. Will you give up time for somebody you have never met that they could know the gospel and change their lives? You heard James's story, how just miraculous the guys in the Starbucks and it just changed his life. And the younger, when he was a young guy, they had these buses back in the South that they'd go through neighborhoods and pick people up and take them to church just to help them find God. They were loving people they didn't know. That's the calling of all of us. Amen. So today, we got to demonstrate respect for each other. we got to demonstrate respect for people we don't even know. Right? Remember, the measure you use, it's measured to you. 
what you want done for you, do to others. And certainly, let's not only greet our own people, whether that's, and we, we could take that into our own congregation. And here sometimes we only greet the people we already know. The campus, I want to challenge you, get to know the old guys like me. There's a lot of old guys like me around here. I see Rick back there. He's old like me. And there's even older than me here, quite a few. Old people, let's meet the young people. That means you actually have to meet them. Go out of your way. I'm so grateful. I know the Shahs are having campus students over for lunch today. They just out of their way. I'm going to invite a whole campus you know, household over for, for a meal today. That's the kind of stuff we got to do. We don't only greet our own people. We greet others we don't know, both here and outside of this congregation. Let's open our mouths and meet people. Students, you're going to meet so many people. Bring them out. We, families, let's invite people in. Let's have a respectful congregation. Let's have a community that feels like they deeply belong. Then we'll believe the truth of the gospel, and we'll become God's men and women. Amen? I have a question for us before we take communion. I want it in this demonstrate respect point. I want us to have five minutes of discussion. This is something we always do before communion to help us engage with the content and engage with some of the uh, things we've thought about and studied here. So the question is, how important is demonstrating respect to building trust? And how can you grow in demonstrating respect? So just talk to one or two people right around you, to your left, to your right, front or back. Let's have a five-minute discussion. Then I'll come up and I'll pray for the communion elements, and we'll take communion. So let's discuss it this time. Okay, guys, let's, um, let's quiet down. We're going to go ahead, and I know this is a great discussion, and we could talk about this for a long time which I would encourage you to further the conversation later in the day with those close to you, those in your ministry, those in your friends. It's a great discussion. Um, hopefully it will come up throughout the week. We do have an online midweek um, with the whole church where we do a kind of a follow-up to this content, and we get a chance to, to study it and look at it a little more in depth. So that will be this Wednesday at 730. But at this time, let's go ahead and take uh, communion, and we'll, I'll pray for the fruit of the vine and the bread. Father in heaven, thank you so much for... Uh, loving us, and we really know that um, really underneath that umbrella of love is respect, respect for each of us, caring enough um, to come here and care and give and sacrifice and do the little things that matter, and ultimately the big thing of giving your, your life, Lord. Thank you for the body given that uh, inspires us and for the blood shed that reminds us of um, this hope of new life and forgiveness every day. Thank you, Lord, for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.